Comrades and friends, hello. Um, this is Rob. We're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We are behind enemy lines and nothing more than the RD4 zombie committee vote proved it. Uh, we're in the belly of the Delaware Way beast, folks. And um, yeah, I'm trying to poison minds all up and down the uh, all up and down the state, poison their minds with fucking Marxist theory, material dialectics, just poison, brain poison. <laughs> Uh, I'm very excited to uh, introduce uh, our guest today. Um, Ariel Peoples uh, is working with Bright Spot Farm. Uh, it's an urban farm project that's run through the West End Neighborhood House. And she's also uh, new to Wilmington. So all of this, I know maybe her opinion <laughs> doesn't matter because she's new and doesn't, stand, doesn't understand our arcane ways. But we're still going to get her in. We're still going to talk to her like a human being anyway. Um, Ariel. Thanks for uh, coming in. <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. <laughs> I, sorry, I don't know. We're all we're all wound oh, up today. Great. Yo, what's up? <laughs> yeah. So so um yeah. I mean, we try to have fun with it. Um, I talked to uh, I talked to Medina a week or two ago about the RD four process, and um, I said, you know, you you just got to prepare for the L, but have some fun with it. And I think that's I think that's really um. I think that's what we did. Nice. Um, so thank you for coming in. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, how long have you How long have you been in Wilmington? This is my third year. Okay. Yeah. So I moved out. So I'm originally from Colorado. Yeah. Well, that's our first question. Always is like, where did you grow up? What was it like? How yeah. did it like uh, influence your sort of like the the work that you do, your activism, your politics, whatever. So Colorado, Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Nice. Denver. Um, I grew up, so when I was younger, I like lived in Denver city proper. And then um, later on in life, moved outside of the city and yeah, just started exploring the mountains. Cause like Denver's right next, it's nestled up to just Rockies um, and endless nature. And then um, my dad's Lakota Sioux, so um, I also lived and spent a lot of time in South Dakota on a Pine Ridge Reservation and just um, learning that part of my culture. So I ended up going to a Native American college and, I don't know, crazy shit happened. Where's, where, what, what, uh, what, what university? Uh, Fort Lewis. Fort it's Fort Lewis. Lewis College in Southwest Colorado. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's free. Uh, for any indigenous student because it was a boarding school. Right. Um, and so when they shut that shit down, uh, the indigenous people in the area were like, hey, like, if you want to turn this into a school, you need to make it free and accessible to all native students. So you got uh, native peoples coming from Alaska, Hawaii, um, Mexico. We have like, we have native students coming from like all over. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a big thing. We mentioned it a few months ago when there was, uh, uh, you know, Canada has extremely uh, huge problems with um, their First Nations, their indigenous people. Yeah. And it just came out a few months ago. They found, you know, a mass grave at one of the yeah. one of the schools concentration camps, really, where they would concentrate um, native kids uh, and indigenous kids. 
Um, but yeah, we did that all all around here. Um, did it, there, there was actually one of the biggest ones in the country was in Pennsylvania. It's about an hour, maybe 90 minutes from here. Yeah, I've been, the East Coast is fucked up, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the. I'm learning, I learned about the indigenous people out here and I'm like, God damn, like just, yeah, I don't know. It's all fucked up out here. So what'd you get into, what'd you get into in college? Like what was your, what were your interests? What were you, um. Where did you? What did you think you were gonna gonna do with it? Not if, this. If anything, no. Not farming. Fuck no. Farming's like grunt work. Nobody's doing that. So I I thought I was gonna be. <clears throat> I thought I was gonna be a writer. Yeah. Yeah. So what you would you do? Were you like English major? Is that what you did? I actually did. I started off with English, and then it was boring as fuck. So I switched to uh, um, sociology. I took a soc class. And this Chicano teacher was just like, Viva la raza! And like, was like speaking in Spanish. And um, and I don't know, there was like something about that class that just changed everything. Um, and so I ended up doing sociology with an emphasis in indigenous philosophy. Yeah, it's cool. Then met some, worked on a reservation and lived around there and I don't know. Met well, some so what, this was when you uh, when you went to the Dakotas. Yeah, this is down in South. So so, Col so Southwest Colorado. Uh, uh, I was in the Four Corners area. So okay. you've got um, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. You could stand in four. Yeah, they had yeah. the, they had the marker there, right? Yeah. So, uh, but there's a lot of like Navajo nations there. Uh, the Utes are there. Apaches in that area. Like you have a really, um, and because of our history, um, the the government started to go broke uh, around the time that they were really invading that area. So, a lot of the indigenous peoples of that area have been able to maintain their language and like a lot of aspects of their culture. So when I was working. Um, I was initially just doing like social work. Um, and when I started doing that, I was just working with like Southern Ute, Navajo Nation tribes in the area. Yeah. So you're, you were actually working as a social worker in that area for indigenous, uh, the indigenous communities there. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of stuff were you, were you doing? What kind of, like, what, what kind of issues were coming up? Were they, uh, Sort of like health issues, education issues, housing, all, 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 all of the all, all across of, the board. All of that. Yeah. Think of like your worst hood in Baltimore and put that on, uh, out west and you've got a reservation. Um, you've got high suicide rates. You've got diabetes. You've got, oh man, alcoholism. You've I just domestic abuse. Like it's just bad. I was, um, I would. I was a, a case manager for people with disabilities and investigating neglect and things like that. And so I would see a gambit of just terrible things and poverty. And um, my job was to connect people to resources as much as possible. Uh, you can imagine being in a rural area, how that would be hard. And uh, I really started to think about... Um, it was it was working it was working on the Southern Ute Reservation. I really started to think about sovereignty and like what that actually means uh, to Indigenous people. And then I started thinking about well, what the hell does that mean for Black folks too? Like what does sovereignty mean for oppressed people in general? And through that social work, I started to develop um, youth programming that focused on 
really like diving into not just the topical aspects of culture, but like how are we how are we addressing the intergenerational traumas that exist within us, within our peoples, uh, and recognizing that oppression is is still in in existence, right? Um, yeah. I could go on a rant about that, but no, maybe we will. I mean, I, <laughs> I think you you drew a great parallel because you're. I think you're exactly right. It's you know the 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 economics and the structure and the way that the country was sort of uh, built up from east to west, and the way that it's treated just in general. The parallels between low poverty, excuse me, high poverty, you know, low income, poor neighborhoods in the inner city. Um, and in rural areas and for native peoples, the the outcomes are basically the same. Yeah. The you know high diabetes and health, um, you know, maybe substance abuse, um, you know, alcoholism, all that stuff. Yeah. And and yeah, it's it's like it's one of the when your project like ours is to is to like organize and show solidarity with the biggest group of people possible, it's problems we have to face. Because this is the group of people that we need to sort of inspire to come together to, to make progress. But there, you know, there's there there are fundamental problems that need to be addressed before we can even right. do that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're fighting. I mean, you're not. You're fighting mental slavery too, right? It's this, it's this bullshit that fucking black and brown people are fed about pulling yourself, I can do it myself. Like, I got this, pull myself up by the bootstraps. I don't fucking need nobody. And the poorer the neighborhoods, the more they really buy into that bullshit. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm looking over here and I'm like, I'm seeing farmers who've got, you know, land that have been handed to them. They're getting equipment. They know they're going to the best fucking schools. They're getting help from mommy and daddy and grandpa and grandma. And like, I'm, they're getting help from friends. They're like, oh, my friend has this connection with this person, you know? And I'm like, y'all are, yeah, you're just, that's a lot of the work that I do is just this bubble bursting of, Yo, while you think that it's all about you making it, the people who are actually making it are working with a shit ton of other people. They're not doing that shit alone. They're using our system. And I don't know. It just I, it breaks I, my heart. No, I think that's exactly right. Every uh, it, it seems like almost all the conversations we have in here come down to that. This this sort of myth that the myth of the individual. So if you fail, it's your fault. Because everybody has the same opportunity, which they don't. No. Um, some people have, um, you know, and even if you even if you create a conduit by which some selected people will get through it, that's not a pro. That's still that 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 systemic structure is is not acceptable to me um, to live in like a society in a community. Um, so they, it always comes down to that. Yeah, I'm I'm reading this this book. Uh, the the professor who's now the the chair of the history department. Uh, Professor Park, Allison Parker is her name. She wrote this biography of Molly Park of uh, excuse me of uh, Molly Church Terrell, and it has you know there's that that idea of like the the top ten percent of of oppressed people you know they they're the most talented and they can you know show that okay this small sliver of you know an oppressed population can do it, and so what's that what's that do though? Right. that's that's basically, um, you know, you're 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 being sucked into the you're you're being co-opted by the system very quickly, like the system tells you it's an individual, 
here's somebody who did it, so why can't you do it? And it gets everything gets co-opted and, and shit just gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um and it's it's it breaks I don't know, it breaks my heart cuz it's like the most oppressed people are the ones who buy into this shit more than anybody. Optimistic cruelty. Just even as the evidence is presented that this shit is against you, you they still just I don't think and it's I don't rough. yeah I didn't want to I don't want to interrupt you but my again because this is a huge part of like the foundation of the project I don't think people have been shown a different way and when and when people do sort of mention that it doesn't have to be like this people are very suspicious of it which again they probably should be yeah. they've never seen anybody help them before so why trust this other this new way so it's going to be a long haul, but there is a different way to do it if yeah. you do it all together. And fearful, right? Because, like, I, I just remember always being told, well, if we don't have capitalism, it's going to get worse. Whatever the fuck the, you think this is bad, whatever the alternative is, is even worse. And if shit is already bad for me in this system, I'm not going to roll the fucking dice for something worse. Right. Yep. That's it. Right? Convincing so people... <laughs> Convincing people that that movement into the other direction, um, the, yeah, to, to take the chance, that's and, and say and, and say okay, well, let's try to do it together. Yeah. Instead of trying to do it as a bunch of individuals in in, in the in the hustle culture and just take the way that it is and say we can work within you know whatever the bylaws on the Dell Dems uh, you know website says, <laughs> uh, or you know we can bond together and demand better. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like you said, if this if this isn't good enough, we should demand better. We shouldn't be scared and say, well, it can only get worse because that's not yeah. it's actually not true at all. That's where I like that's where farming came in though. It was I'm just like gonna ag- ask that question. How did that how how did you go from from sort of rural Rocky Mountain social worker to uh to eastern urban farmer? It was a crazy journey. Give it to us. I grew up not with not a lot of money. Um, yeah, I grew up in a in a home with alcoholism and poverty um, and violence and and love too, but a lot it was all mingled in a mess. And I started asking these questions. I kept thinking, okay, like how do we create community in this genuine way? And I went down. I had the opportunity to go to Chile and live with the Mapuche people in South America, and I farmed. And I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just laughing because it's, it, it's so simple. It was like so yeah. simple. Uh, all they did was like this. They would just grow food and just like invite people to grow food. And as we're growing, we're working side by side. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're like, what the fuck am I doing half the time? By the end of a season, you're like, oh, God, it's it, farming isn't this <laughs> farming isn't this like la, 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 we're out in the sun and picking that shit is hard as fuck. You're hot. You're sweating. You're dirty. You're getting cuts. You're working from sun up to sundown like you're fucking working. And at the end of it, you hopefully yield fruit. So I'm down with these people and we're working, doing this hard work, but. In the midst of it, there's singing, there's dancing, there's conversations. Um, 
So when I went down to Chile, they had just elected Michelle Bachelet, who was their first democratically elected president uh, since the Pinochet dictatorship. Um, so you're seeing like uh, a society that had been in oppression for years and years and years finally is like discovering what democracy means and what that is and what that looks like as a whole. Um, and so as I'm working with these Mapuche people, they're really fighting to be a part of this conversation because oftentimes in like a lot of countries, um, they want to have conversations about democracy and they leave out their indigenous. And so at the same time they're having these conversations, their indigenous are fighting to be in that space and they're creating momentum ironically through agriculture because agriculture and having these spaces are where they can have these conversations and these debates about how are we a part of what do we believe as a people's how are we pushing for democracy how are we uh, still staying aligned with our values and our history and ourselves while recognizing that we still need to change and keep up with this changing with this new landscape and it was inspiring and when I came back to the states um I knew what I wanted to do I just wanted to like I just wanted to try out ag I wanted to see okay what would this look like for my people in the states can we can we do that same thing and so I don't know it's just one opportunity led to another I went to lived in Utah and Washington and Oregon and California and New Mexico and fucking everywhere. Just lived on farms and talked to people and learned a little bit more in each space. It's incredible. I mean, I get a lot of, um, you You might have noticed that we follow flag. I get a lot of um, inspiration from the indigenous people in the Andes. And not only that, um, as you said, the politics in that part of the world uh, because of the organization and the passion of people like that, of farmers. I mean, the the, the new uh, president of Peru is a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> Arce, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the new, the new uh, president of Chile um, is a socialist. I mean, to what extent, you know, to what extent is he going to, you know, uh, you know, work with capital? You know, uh, like Lula did and, and you know. We can hope Lula comes back into Brazil mm -hmm. um, soon and 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 deposes a, a you know a, a fascist dictator basically, or a, a, at least an extremely right wing, reactionary militant person in Bolsonaro. Um, but yeah, a lot of that stuff is happening in South America because of the solidarity that actually, in the case of the indigenous people of the Andes, sort of spreads across yeah. nation national borders so into Bolivia, Peru, uh, uh, Colombia. Uh, Ecuador. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the politics in those countries are different, um, but the movement um, gives energy to all of them. And so that's yeah, really cool that that's where like it's that's where the spark came from. That's dope. Yeah, we have that history here. We have it's a history like it's we have the history of organizing through agriculture in the States. We just don't fucking talk about it. It's it's not the sexy part of, of a movement, right? Um, in fact, uh, when, in the civil rights inception, they were meeting on farms. They weren't meeting in a fucking city. They were meeting in rural areas because those were safe spaces owned by black folks. Um, even uh, the Black Panthers, as they were organizing in 
and they're beginning, they recognize the need to reach out and have contact with farmers, right? Like the ag, ag has always been a part of revolutionary movements in this country. We, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the first big, the first big, uh, or one of the first big populist movements started in Kansas in the Midwest and spread to other adjoining states. But that was the, the first big populist movement yeah. was a movement of farmers who were standing up against capital, basically, yeah. and saying, you know, you, you control everything because you're on the gold standard and we have to borrow it at these rates and we're, you know, we're out to dry. And so they banded together and created, you know, a, a movement that, you know, that had an impact on politics yep. to, the, to, you know, to this day. Thomas Frank just wrote a book about it last year, two years ago, something like that. Yeah. Uh, the people know. Um, and yeah, you're, you're exactly right. But, you know, unfortunately the, The monster of capital has done a has done a, a, a very a very efficient job in uh, in taking away, you know, that opportunity from a lot of people that they have sort of like in South America or in other places. Yeah, because um, they recognize what can what be could happen. Done with it. <laughs> right. I mean, we see a big a, a big a big yeah. backlash, and people can look this up. There's been, there was a huge backlash in the last six months to a year in India. India, yep. India have a reactionary. Uh, India have a reactionary uh, Hindi uh, nationalist president in in Modi, and one of the main sources of opposition uh, are communist farmers from the Mm -hmm. north. All of the, the, you know, when they try to, you know, sort of put new new curbs and new prices and new standards to to market, the communist farmers stood up against it. And you, you, you saw it in the Western media, communist farmers in India standing up against the government in the Western media. So yeah, all of this, all of the, the groundwork is there. Like it's not a new concept. No, <laughs> no, no. So um, we're on the same page here. I think a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just, I, I think. Yeah, when I came back, I just, I don't know. Like I, I just started. It was, do it working in on a farm and having that space was so good for me in so many ways. And I started thinking about youth and how I grew up and the lack of, and all the fucked up. Oh, can I curse? I I mean, we've already cursed. I don't know if you know that. But yes, you can. Actually, we, uh, we... I was like, oh, I got it. We encourage it. Um, Just all of the shit that I experienced, the traumatic shit, the, the seeing people seeing people die all the time which is what a lot of the youth that i work with now it is not uncommon for them they'll come in and just be like yo my friend my friend got shot yo my uncle just went to prison yo yeah like when you're experiencing that kind of trauma back to back to back to back to back without any space to process it no wonder like we're coming out angry. We're coming out resentful. We're coming out with all sorts of fucking fucked up mental and like and physical shit wrong with us. And when I realized like I had the opportunity to separate, I just really wanted to be a part of something that created that for for other for other youth. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into like the farm itself. Where is it? How does it operate? What are you growing? Where is it going? Like I've <laughs> As I, as I said, 
as, as I said, I, I'm while I'm not, um, I, I don't have a, a green thumb necessarily. Uh, I do, uh, you know, I do cook and I do, you know, I, I like um, fresh produce. I have a few things like I have an old uh, fig tree that was my part of my grandmother's back here, so nice. we grow figs. Um, so like, so yeah, I'm into it. Although I've never done it at any kind of scale, I'm very interested in just like the process of growing a potato. You know, I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to me. I want to I wanna say, like, first of all, we all have a very emotional and personal connection with food, right? And so that's, that's the foundation in which I work. It's not about, it's not just about growing things. It's about rebuilding our connection with food in a meaningful way. Um, the logistics of the farm is that it's out in Newcastle, we farm on two acres of land behind the old state hospital. The irony of that, I will never fucking get over. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is really something. Yeah, that place is that place has a fucked up history. And yes, so you do. You're even though you're new, you sort of are. are uh, oh, I went down a weird rabbit hole. I got a book of accounts of patients and doctors from the state hospital from 1890 to 1920. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then I'm I'm reading another one from nineteen thirty to nineteen sixty. Um, but uh we grow vegetables, it's all squash, beans, okra. Um, we grow things. We grow the typical bullshit that you have to sell to make money. Yeah. Everybody loves their fucking kale. Yeah, I don't actually like kale that much. I mean, I'll eat it, but I mean, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's the bitch of vegetables. Is it? It's such a bitch, dude. It's like anybody can grow kale. It fucking grows everywhere. It's, it's a like fucking, a weed, dude. Whatever. Yeah, I, I'm with you. No kale. <laughs> Get off the kale. Get yourself something, fa some something fun, some fancy. Yeah. Throw some hot peppers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some plebano. Yeah. <laughs> some habaneros. Yeah. So we... some scotch bonnets. Let's Ooh. go. Let's fucking go. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, we grow a bunch of vegetables. Okra, collards, um, and squash and all sorts of things. Um, I So, I'm really about medicine and creating and, and making medicine as well. So, we also um, have what I call like a medicine garden. So, we have sage, um, calendula. We have um, sunflowers, and all of this is to make like salves, oils. So we do cooking classes with food, but then you just we also like oil medicine. from the sunflowers too. Yes, we're gonna have to talk about this sunflower oil. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, and then we talk about the benefits of that and the history of that, right? So we, so it's reconnection, right? So what is a lot of you know, for a lot of um, poor folks in the city is. I'm just eating whatever the fuck I can get my hands on. Or I'm not eating at all. Like, I might just have one meal a day, and that might be that dollar burger that I got from, you know, McDonald's in the morning, and I'm having to fucking figure it out for the rest of the day. I might not eat anything, or I might come across a bag of chips. Uh, this is my food. Um, and if I do, for many of our youth, like, if I do get a meal, that's happening at grandma's house. Maybe grandma feeds me once, you know, at the end of the week. Uh, maybe we get some chicken at the at the end of the night, some beans and rice that we can stretch out for a little bit. Um, so it's really not. It's it's food is a necessity, 
and not necessarily thought of as something to be in love with. Um, and so the first thing we do that I do with youth is I walk them through the field and we we touch the vegetables and we and we taste the vegetables. We pick tomatoes uh, right off the plant. It's so funny when they first get there, they're baffled that I would eat a dirty tomato because it came off a plant, right? But then by the end of it, they're eating <laughs> just as much and they're talking about vegetables and food in a personal way. I I love poblano peppers. I had this youth, he loves fucking, he's Mexican, he loves poblano. When he first got there, he was like real quiet, didn't really talk, didn't really wanna mess with any of the vegetables. And then halfway through the season, He's picking poblanos and he goes, I used to pick poblanos with my grandma. Oh, she makes the best chili reinos I've ever had in my life. You ever have chili reinos? I was like, of course I have. So we start talking about how she makes chili reinos. I said, I don't make them that way. You know, I, I do it a little bit different. I put I put a little bit of uh, Cajun seasoning in there because I like to mix my black side in with my <laughs> with all of my dishes. and But just having, having these conversations and this just genuine connection with food changes just a little bit it starts to change the scope of how they think yeah I th and, it's, and it's interesting because i think to a lot of people food or like having a connection with food is like an, an elitist thing and that's not really true really the connection to food is is like you know, before it was mechanized and before it came, whatever you come across, because, you know, you have to work three part-time jobs to, you know, pay the rent. Yep. Um, that was what it was. Like every culture and every people had the things that they did. And some of the flavors were different. Mm -hmm. and some of the ingredients were different depending on what was natural and indigenous to that place. A lot of the processes were similar Interestingly enough, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the dishes were similar, just replacing some ingredients that were available in one place that weren't available in another place. Um, so there's like a lot of history tied up in it, yeah. which I just always think is uh, just in incredibly important because it's stuff that people don't think about. But that's part of the process of you living. Yeah. Like you can't every it's everybody has to do it. Everybody's eating and the food has to come from somewhere, no matter where you are, no matter who you are. Yeah. And 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 there is a connection there, so it's it's extremely dope. Yeah. So is it is it a is it a program that the youth can through the West End Neighborhood House sign up for? They just opt in. Do, they just opt in. They're like, this is something I would like to check yeah. out. Yeah. They find us all sorts of ways. Honestly, the big the way we really recruit is other youth talking to. Yeah. Each other, because like they'll just come to us and be like, yeah, this is interesting. Some of them just come because they need a job. And they need money to help support their family. And then they find that it's way more than that, right? Yeah. And I also just, I just want to say like, this is having that connection. It is part of the decolonization process. If I can get you to think about some shit that you've never thought about before, that is the beginning. And I'm doing it with food, but then I'm slowly feeding you just a little bit more. Because my first goal is to get you to think about shit that you never would. To consider something 
different. And I do that with food. Does that make sense? A hundred percent makes sense to me. I mean, you want to talk about it some more? You want to flesh it out? Because again, when you show somebody that, um, like the thing I was talking about before, how it ties into culture and society coming up through history. If you tap into that, if, if food is the way you can tap into that history, Bingo. then you did it. Yeah. Right? That's what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. It's, okay, now I'm, op- okay, I'm open to... Many youth, the youth will, they, especially our, our black kids, they will come on that farm and the first thing they say is, this is slave work. You ain't have me do no slave work, right? And the first part of deprogramming that thought process is to have them work <laughs> with, and I want to say this too, our staff is except for um, Emma, who is our farm manager, our staff are all black women. They work very closely next to us. And as I'm working in the field, I'm, ta- I'm asking them, yo, who cooks collars in your family? Oh, it's my grandma. Oh, huh. Oh yeah, she grew stuff. She grew- Oh, she grew these collars in the backyard. Oh yeah, 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 she grew some greens. Oh, we love mustards. Mustard greens are real good, right? So it's this, it's this little, it's these little things. Then I start, then from there, I'm like, all right, now I'm opening you up to this idea. All right, this ain't slave work. This is just real work, right? Yeah, this, is, only, this is liberation work. Yeah, the slavery, isn't, <laughs> the slavery isn't the thing that you're doing. It's who you're doing it for and why. Yeah, yep. So like, yeah, the, the farm work isn't, Yes, it's, slave work is your your uh, relationship to money, right? Not your relationship to plant. Sorry. Then we start talking about, and then I so I do I teach a curriculum that I call it's called the food justice curriculum. So it centers on gender, race, class, globalization. So, but it's really focused. I focus on um, because of my background. Um, And in ethnic and indigenous studies, I really focus on like the history of black and brown people. Um, We do talk about, so we talk about the Black Panther movement. I love them. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I just let them look. (laughs) I could tell we were going to get along just fine. Yeah, I put a a Chairman Fred quote on social media like a week ago. Well, I'm I'm, I'm right there with it. They have to devise their own movements, right? So... Um, part of that, part of uh, the Black Panther uh, workshop that we do is we talk about all of the different facets of them um, under this umbrella of agriculture, right? So, because they were one of, they to me were a unique organization in the sense of the Black Panthers understood class more so than any other black movement. I'm gonna say they talked, they distinctly talked about it and addressed it aggressively. Just because you look like me don't mean you're for me. Um and I think that their ability to address class, race, and gender um strategically was like is 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 unique um in African American movements in particular. We just did not really have that prior to the Panther Party. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's not surprising because um, no matter who you are, you're, tr- you're going to try 
the system is going to try to make you subject, you know, to the economy. Just yeah. like it doesn't really matter what race you are. That's what it's going to do. So it's it's not surprising. And the the, the Hampton quote um, that I that I'm and I use it all the time because it was in the speech. You know, we're not going to fight racism with black racism. We're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism. We're going to fight racism with solidarity. Yep. And we're going to fight capitalism not with black capitalism but with socialism. And that's the that's the that's that's the uh, that's the class analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Because black capitalism doesn't do anything. Latina (laughs) Latina capitalism or you know uh, indigenous capitalism or you know Asian capitalism. That's all that all that does is shift around shift around the pain. Yep. That's not really what we're looking for. Same shit, different face. Yeah, that's not what we're looking for. I think, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I know, I know that we have the ability and our youth to transform this system. I just, I feel so, every time I work with them, every year, every year they come back and every time they're asking me, and they ask such good fucking questions, they're, they're really thinking and strategically, um, Every year, I'm like, I'm more and more impressed with youth's ability to absorb information, question, and then move. <laughs> like, they're just taking it in, they're questioning every fucking thing you say, and then they're like, all right, I'm gonna move accordingly. I like that, but I might do it just a little bit different. You know? That's, I mean, that's like uh, food. It's like you were talking about uh, collards or whatever. Like I cook, I, I cook like my grandma, I'm just a little bit different. You know, I got you. I, I see your analysis. I can apply that in my own context, but it's the same general principle. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, that's incredible. I love it. So you going, you're going year round at the farm. I mean, you got, you're saying about the greenhouse today cause it's, it's February. I mean, it's not exactly uh yeah. we're not, we're not in the out of doors, I, I suppose. No. So we get, we do ornamental plants. Um, so the youth program is year round. The farm, obviously, like we're producing food in spring and summer and fall. Uh, but during the off season, we're running the greenhouse with ornamental plants and herbs. Uh, so in the fall and spring, I like to do medicine classes. Okay. Because yeah. that's what you got. You can, still, you can still grow herbs inside and you have mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yep. Right. Yeah. So we're doing salves and we're talking about anatomy and we're talking about botany and biology and um and how are we taking care of ourselves mentally right um as we go into those colder months i like to really hone in on how are we how are we nurturing ourselves and then also there's a twofold how am i not just keeping all of the information and the things that i'm learning to myself what are we doing in the community how am how am i organizing with other people around me and spreading the information that i'm learning at bright spot so yes. we do a lot of intensive organizing in the fall um and then a lot of like self-care medicine making in the spring so that's why i was in the greenhouse like nice. prepping my herbs and <laughs> getting nice. ready getting ready for medicine no, I mean uh, to be perfectly uh, transparent about it, and and you know Carl would probably say the same thing. The 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 real reason 
for like this project, the, like the, whatever you want to call it, the media project, the podcast and other things, is just to give people a platform to do that. Like give p- people a platform to like talk into a microphone and say the thing and then we put it on the internet. Yeah. Or we give people a place to come and, and hang out and like meet other people. Sometimes there's more people in here or whatever. Um, yeah, that's really the most important thing. Yeah. Like I'm not like <laughs> – you know, as much as I would love to, uh, you know, be a, a fancy media maven, you know, and be like, uh, <laughs> you know, be, go back out clubbing and be like, that's the guy with the podcast. <laughs> um, it's not really it's not really about that. It's a, it's a, it's about um, just another, um, you know, another tool in the toolkit to give people a platform to organize, to get their information out, to show how all of our struggles are connected, like Harry mm-hmm. Harris would say. And to show how all of these pieces can be used together to build something bigger than an individual person. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's the trick. That's not. It's, I'm, I, mean, well, I always also say, you know, we're not we're not keeping any secrets. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing. There's no secret plan. I'm not like trying to get people into a cult. Um, this, some people consider this brain poison. Some poisoning people's brains. I, that's fine. If that's what you think. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what we're doing. Yeah. 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 I think I see the work that I do as healing, healing intergenerational trauma and strengthening communities of color. Um, that's that's my foci point. Like I, again, like just having the background that I have um, and it, it, it parallels a lot of what I do with the youth. I'm like, I just want to create space where as people, every time as a, as a black woman, every time I walk out the fucking door, it's some bullshit. Like I literally can't go a day without having to think about being a woman, being black, how I, and, and, and. And all the shit that comes with it. And I want to have a space for youth where they don't have to deal with that shit. Just even it and 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 it's and even if it's just doing it's doing simple moving movement and growing food and creating something in this way. Like this is why I love farming too, because Farming doesn't give a fuck about you who you are. It's how hard you're working. Am I am I gonna what am I yielding based on what I work for? And I love the fact that I don't have to fucking deal with nobody's bullshit except the earth. So I, I did want to mention um I'm f- from this area, this neighborhood really, just over there. Um <clears throat> And I'm, I don't think I'm going out on too many limbs to say I'm probably considerably older than you are. So pro- this probably looks like <laughs> way back in the day. Um, but I went to uh, St. Anthony's uh, for grade school in the 80s. And at that time, uh, West End Neighborhood House was there. And it was like, like a pillar of the community. Um, the whole side of if you if you look at it from Lincoln Street, there's like a big uh, new wing that was built like maybe 25 years ago. But I remember when it was just a little building on the corner. It was just that one little West End neighborhood house. Yeah. But but it's I'm I'm always um 
when I see people are doing projects affiliated with that. Um, I, is Paul still there? Yeah. Is he still doing it? <laughs> I, I, I met Paul back. I met Paul actually. People ask me, like, who who have I always thought about having on the podcast I've never had, and I have never spoken to Paul on one. We met back in the Eugene Young campaign, you know, five years ago. Or <laughs> um, we, that's how we met. But he's a he's a um, you know he's a neighborhood guy. People know who he is, the work he's done. Um, so yeah, I'm always very very uh, humbled and happy to um, sort of promote any sort of work that they're doing. Because I, I know, um, I, I know that they're rooted in that neighborhood, and I know how long they've done it, and they're committed to doing it. I know the people that they work with and who they organize with. Nice. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm was very excited to see that because I, I, th- I think somebody had given me your your name, and I saw that you were working on this farm, but then it did, it took a minute to realize that it was running through um, West End. And I yeah, just, I, think <laughs> I think that's really cool. Yeah, because we, I mean, we're a part of West End. Um, we are a farm in West End, but we, we're, we're so, dis- we're not in the city like that. Yeah. Um, so all, everything we do is, is a little disconnected from um, the main hub, which is beautiful and also very confusing because then people are like, wait, you're West End, but you're out here? <laughs> Look until we can until we can march a until we can march a column up Lincoln Street and take Father Tucker Field and and, and claim it from the from the St. Anthony's and make a farm out of it. I think you're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, I um I also wanted to mention speaking of uh, sort of West End grows and that kind of stuff. I'm really excited that you're going to be participating in uh, in our event, the call event, um, later this month. It's going to be incredibly cool yeah. because um, one of the coincidences uh, was that. We had uh, my wife and I had been introduced um, to Ellen Capard, who own, owns the, the Books and Bagels in Tilden Park, and so we had met, and she was going to uh, participate in the event, and we had talked on the phone and all of this, and then I was asking somebody about putting people together to facilitate these things, <laughs> and they were like, "Do you know Ariel Peoples?" I was like, "I do not," and uh, the person who told me, well, I'll tell you who told me, Kirsten Walther told me, and I know anything she says is, pro- is like usually right. So I was like, I, I got to find this person out. But then I found out that you live uh, right there in that neighborhood, which yeah. is extremely cool. Yeah. Me and me and Ellen talk a lot. We talk a lot about uh, disability law and rights okay. and the lack thereof in fucking Delaware. So, yeah, know. I mean, that, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff isn't really uh, compatible with running a, a corporate tax haven. Yeah, no. I mean, really. there's the things that you need to do to run the corporate tax haven. And then there's other stuff. We don't generally do a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> Delaware, Delaware is uh, it's different. It's different. I'm still, I'm still learning it. I'm still learning it. Um, everybody, this has nothing to fucking do with anything. But everybody fucking knows each other. Either you know each other, or you're related in some kind of way. Or both, and then I like and it's or you're like my daughter knows this person knows this person, so it's been it's it's really interesting like coming from the outside to Delaware because it feels like this net that I don't completely understand. Uh, when I first I want to say I've been here for three years, 
But when I first got out here, I was living on a farm um, near Elkton, Maryland. Okay. And then I moved to a farm um, in Townsend. Okay, a little further south. So I wasn't seeing people. Moving to Wilmington is the first. I'm like, and I just got to Wilmington in June of last year. So I'm like, whoa. That's blown your mind. The stupidity. <laughs> It's like it's almost Lynchian. <laughs> like you're like this doesn't even make sense. It's surreal. <laughs> like why is this happening? It's wild. Yeah, no. We we. I'm um, learning. <laughs> Carl and his family moved here. Uh, you know when, when Carl went to school here. So we talk about it all the time, and and it really is like that. I mean, it's it's small. Again, I also um, it helps that it's this sort of corporate tax haven state. It's like a little duchy. Because <laughs> um, the smaller it is, is the easier it is to manage. Um, you don't want a lot of people. You don't want a lot of people bothering with you. Um, plus, it's close to Philadelphia, close to Baltimore, so it doesn't really have a. It's off to the side on its own. Um, so all of that and the like, sort of the professional managerial class um, within that context, it's all very incestuous and very, very weird. There's a lot of anger here. Well, I mean, we just said today. Um, some some of the arguments that we're getting into because of this RD thing uh, are based on the fact that our community editor at the call, Ray Krantz, wrote this like commentary about this process and how ridiculous it is. <laughs> and people's problem isn't that it's they know that that's the process. Mm -hmm. It's a ridiculous process, but they're like, well, that's the process. And how, how like, dare how you? Yeah. How dare you from Ohio come and talk about our process? Because it's like, where did you go? Where did you go to high school anyway? You know, one of those kind yeah, of. How many times yeah. have you been asked where you went to high school? Oh my god! I know it's fucking stupid. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, if something's dumb, you just change it. It's, and that's not the. It's. I actually like. I'm gonna be honest though. I like the rage. Call it like Denver. Denver. The. It's not that people aren't angry out west. They're just not allowed to be vocal about it. So I'm so glad you brought this up because I did want to ask you, and maybe this will be the fun, like sort of ending of the conversation. This should be good because I'm when people always ask me, and, and Philadelphia. My dad is from Philadelphia. My mom's from Wilmington, and we're East Coast. Like, I, like I'm Biggie, you know. And I'm this. This is me. Like we're <laughs> we're co confrontational. Like we don't do yoga. I don't do that. So anytime somebody goes to like the West Coast, I always make fun of them. I was like, hey, man, everything's cool, man. Are you going to have it? Come on. I just go to Jamba Juice. Man. Like nobody's <laughs> angry. You need to yell at least three times a day at somebody you don't know. You know, that kind of thing. But that's how I always. So that's how I always sort of describe it a, a little bit in an, an exaggerated way. But it really is like that, isn't it? Is it? There's a more of an edge. To it's not things. everybody's like holding hands and singing songs. Like it, like there's, there's anger. It's just, I like I'm feeling that East Coast anger because it is so, it is you can be so vocal about your rage and it is so bubbling over that people are hungry for action. Does that make sense? Like out west, I feel like it's kind of like, oh, I'm I'm kind of pissed off, but like I don't want to fuck with the system. I don't really want to fuck with that. Like I got other shit going on, but but shit, but people are so vocally angry that when you start talking to them about about revolution or you start talking to them about alternatives, 
it's like they're so fucking hungry for it because they're so fucking fed up, pissed the fuck off. Now it's turning that into action. That's that's the key, right? But like I'm I'm grateful to be in this in this space where I can fucking walk up to anybody and the shit that I say, nobody's gonna roll their eyes or shrug their shoulders because every person, especially people of color, the shit that I say, they're like, yep. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yeah. And I'm pissed off about it. And then we go off about it. And then we're yelling about it. I do it with the youth. We have like, like we have scream sessions on the farm. Like, tell me what you're most pissed off about right now, right? Um, and there, there's something, there's something freeing in that, at least for me coming from where I come from, there's something very freeing in having, and having the space to be able to be like, I'm pissed the fuck off and you're just going to have to handle it. Cause everybody around here is pissed the fuck off. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to see Delaware. I want to, and that's like my goal with, with this program is like, I want to see Delaware doesn't have an identity. It's like Philly has an identity. Baltimore has an identity. I want I want I I I want my youth in Delaware to have their own revolutionary identity. I want them to move in a certain way. Yeah, and and that is a radical idea. I love it. Because that's what <clears throat> the reason the, the the as I said before, my big thing is I, I believe that the the mechanisms of the government and the mechanisms of capital don't want that. No. Like the the more alienated you can be, the better. Um, you know, luckily some people from other areas can sort of claim that as sort of an identity. You don't have to feel so lost because at least you have something. Right. You know, you're from Philly. You know, you got the Eagles and you got the cheesesteak. <laughs> Doctor J. Doctor J. I love fucking Doctor J. I mean, come on, Doctor J. But like, yeah. So if you're if you're a kid in Wilmington, like, what do you have? You don't really have anything. No. But that's that's like that's good for people that are our political opponents, you know, people who are our political enemies, um, you know, they don't want any kind of energy out there. Um, so that's where like harnessing it, like you said, and sort of sparking it, but also bringing it together um, and, and wielding it as a weapon almost to get, you know, to get some people, um, you know, justice and peace. Yeah. That, that they've been, um, that's been kept from them for money. They're the ones. They're the ones. And like I said, they're hungry for it. They want it. They, that, and, and the more, and the more they learn, the more they ask, you know, like it's, it's there. It's where I really believe that we're in a pivotal point in history. Um, and, when I think about the work that I'm doing, I just want to know, I want to know that I did my part in creating a revolution to change this fucked up system. And I see it, I see it every, every day we're on that fucking farm and they're just exploring a little bit more and they're asking a little bit more because yes, we're farming and it seems like it's all like holding hands and hugs, but like they're they're learning and they're doing things that at times is even beyond what I ever thought. I've got youth organizing 
way past what I ever thought. Organizing around issues of housing, organizing around issues of clean water. Um, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see how they just take it because and run with it. And like I said, I want to see that for all youth in Delaware. I want to see them have an identity beyond just the rage and the poverty. Yeah. Solidarity, comrade. At 100%. <laughs> well, folks, you've, you've listened to another uh, ripping episode. I had a lot of fun. This was great. <laughs> um, it's another Same. episode of uh, Revolutionary Communist <laughs> Brain Poison. Uh, this was brought to you by uh, our fans at the Newcastle County government. Um, yeah, we're, we're poisoning, we're poisoning brains with revolutionary communism up and down Delaware from, from Newcastle County through Kent to Sussex, from the beaches to the bumpkins, from the bankers to the bowlers. Communism has to win. Sorry. I know it's scary. It's okay. Ariel, thank you for coming in. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. This is great. <laughs> Folks, here uh, here in the Highlands, uh, as you know, just like everywhere else, left is best. <laughs>